Awesome. Hey, well, welcome to church, everyone. It is so good. I lo- it's actually from, from our part of the country. It's great to have people in the room uh, and to have faces in front of you. It's really, really good. And, and, and so I think uh, we've got, we have got some visitors today um, from here from all over the place. So recognize some faces over here. So great to have you guys down and, and along here as well. So, so good. It's, uh, one, one of the things I love about, about Elam is, is that when we say um, Elam uh, across the country, across the world, we're a family, that's what we are. Right. It feels just uh, like coming home this morning. It is so, so good. Even though um, I didn't cross the border, we, uh, when we left here, we've been up, and up that way for eight years now and in Pukekohe for five years. Church is going to be five years in November. It's so, so good. So, so Siobhan and AJ getting uh, is our first engagement, I think, in church we've had since Pukekohe, which is really good. But one, one of the things I love, did you see AJ on the drums when he was kind of acknowledging us? Just like that, he's just like... Just the, and I said, to, I said to Siobhan during worship, I said, that drummer's quite cute, isn't she? He, um, she says, yeah, he kind of does me like this, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Exciting, and I love celebrations. And celebration is amazing. Uh, just how people are, um, how we can stand together and, and cheer people on. I just love that uh, about who we are. And uh, So well, today is part one of, of a new series called God Defend New Zealand. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I love about our country is our national anthem. And just in that first line, that God defend New Zealand. And uh, I don't know if you, if, if you know this, but, uh, but there's, uh, there's heaps of verses for our national anthem. But, but where can we uh, around the world go to like a rugby game and start worshipping and praising God, actually mentioning God as a, as a saviour of our country? I think that is such a blessed thing to have as a, as a nation. But, but one of the things you might not know uh, is about some of the characteristics or the attributes of God, because God is a defender, Scripture says. That he is a defender. And, and, and in Psalm chapter 62, this is um, David speaking here. He says, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. And he alone protects me and he saves me. He is, a def- he is my defender. I shall not be defeated. My salvation and my honor depend on him because he is my strong protector. He is my shelter. And, and some of the things that, that, that are on my heart today for you to, to know is that God is a defender, but He's so much more than that, that there's, our God cannot be compared to anyone else or anything else, either in history or in our present or our future. There is no one else or nothing else that compares to God. He is a defender. He is a protector. He is a savior. He is your shelter. He's the name above all names. He's the king of kings. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. There is no one else that can even be compared to our God. What an amazing God to serve or to give our our lives for in the service of uh, is the almighty heavenly Father uh, in heaven that looks down and, and when he sees you and I, he sees people that are created in his image. And this morning, I want to talk about something that is, as a country, I think, uh, as in God defending New Zealand, but there's one thing that I, w- I kind of wish as a country that we could move away from or get rid of, and that is this whole thing of comparison. 
that I compare myself to someone else and think I'm better or I'm worse or, or in business or in sport where we have a comparison to someone else, their skills and abilities, the way people look, how we can, sometimes can look at others and compare ourselves to them and some of us shrink back and some of us go forward in that thinking we're better. And, and, and I want you to know today that, that, that nothing can compare to our God. And we are made in His image. There's a whole lot more for you than against you. What a perspective today to understand that I, that you, are created in His image. You are strong. You are loved. You are called. You are chosen. You're the apple of His eye. He says a lot of things about you and I, but I just wonder how much we really believe it in our hearts. Because when we know who we are, that we don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. When we understand the power that's within us or available to us, we don't have to push our own agenda or push forward because we know that he is above all else and nothing compares to him and we are his children. You are his children. You are called. You are anointed. Uh, You've been adopted into his family. You are a child of the living, living, loving God. And and this whole thing of comparison, it kind of can really affect us in all sorts of different ways. And and, and one of the ways that that I know, I I love fishing. Is anyone into fishing here? I love going fishing on the boat especially and and, and, and we've spent lots of time fishing up the Coromandel and around Waiheke and uh, some great fish. But one of the, one, and, and if you're into fishing, you know that biggest is always best. No one ever comes along and says, I caught the smallest fish today. No one ever says that. I haven't heard that say that before. Because, because when you catch a fish, you always want to catch one bigger. If, you're the, if, you're the guy, if the guy catches a good sized snapper over here, I want to catch one bigger. Because bigger is best, and, and bigger is always best in the sense of fishing. But one of the people, hi, that, that, one of the people that you don't want to go fishing with is Pastor Luke Bryan from Auckland. Because this guy, he, he thinks like a fish. He always catches the biggest fish. Every time I've been fishing with him, he catches the biggest fish. Um, and you might, you might have one of those ponds in your back lawn with the, with the goldfish in there. Pastor Luke will catch the biggest one in there. He's got this knack of being like this, this is the best, one of the best fishermen I've ever known. And he always gets the biggest one. And I don't want to go fishing with him anymore because he always catches the biggest one. But here's the thing, that we, we all are the same in some way, shape, or form, and that, was, that we have moments where we, we think, wow, that person, they're great at selling that stuff. Or, or wow, those people have got a great car. Man, I wish our children were like their children. Um, and, and we all have those abilities and things that we're looking out at and, and kind of measuring ourselves upon who we are and of who they are. And I, I want to say today that that comparison is something that will is a thief of your joy. Comparison is a thief of joy. Um, and, it, and it steals our joy because there's a measurement that we have between them. It either makes us feel really good or really pretty average. And we all, we all have, a, have a journey that we have to face. And, and I want you to know today that nothing compares to God. You are made in His image. Uh, and this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, uh, it says, Since 
we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want you to know today, can you picture a stadium full the grandstands are full of this great cloud of witnesses and they're cheering and they're encouraging and, and they're yelling and screaming and they're, they're, they are not cheering on that team. They're cheering you on. I, I want to point out today that, that that last line there says, perseverance that we are to run the race marked out for us. Uh, that doesn't say run the race that's marked out for everyone. You are to run your race. And there's a grandstand of people who have maybe gone before us and, and, and they're, they're cheering you on. They're saying, come on, you can do this. Keep going. Keep giving the way you're giving. Keep reaching out the way you're giving. Watch out for this. Look out for that. It will trap you. Look out for this. It will kind of bind you up and mess you up. Look out. There's a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on. They are cheering you on. They're backing you. They're backing you. They're there. But when we decide to compare ourselves with others and other people or other ministries or other anything else, it's a trap that will catch us out. And this morning, the thing that's on my heart that is kind of an antidote for comparison is this thing called contentment, being content. And the Apostle Paul is, is, teaches us on, on what that's like and how we can do that. And, and we'll find that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, verse 13. And, and this is Paul. He, he says that I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. Look, look, he, he doesn't, he, he's saying, I, I don't really, I need it for anything. I'm doing okay in myself. And, and, and every, I have everything I need. Uh, but, but I've learned to be content in that circumstance. And, and he says here, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Any and every situation, good times, bad times, hard seasons, valleys, storms, everything that I, I might say that we go through, we go through storms, storms never last. We go through valleys, valleys never last. His promise to you is that he is always with you in the storm, in the valley. He is always with you. How do we do that? I can, because we can do all things through him who gives us strength. All things through him who gives you strength. My, my heart for you today is that that's something inside of you as, you as you take the time and commit your ways to, to God that you will discover a new strength, that you will discover a fresh sense of purpose in your heart and in your life, what God is calling you to, so much so that you, will, you won't need to look to others to feel better. You won't need to look to others to feel worse that you will understand that God is with you and will strengthen you. And, and so being content, it, it helps us to remember that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and in, our, in our home, Denise, a few years ago, Denise asked me, I, I, I quite like making things, so I, I was looking for something to make so, uh, as with wood. So Denise said, why don't you make a dining room table? 
So, okay, okay, so let's not start too big. Let's start with a dining room table for our children and our family to eat at. Uh, so, so, so anyway, I took it on as a bit of a project, and I, I found a pattern online, and, and I made this, this table with the, with the bench seats, and they had bench seats on both sides. And in that garage, after work each night, I'd, I'd spend hours on this thing, and it, and it come out really good. I'm really, really proud of it. But, but when people come over uh, to our place to, uh, to either have dinner or something, they say, Wow, look at that table. Where did you get that from? And I can say, from my garage. You can't buy this table anywhere. Not the best shop in the whole wide world will have a table just like that. This a one of a kind. It's my kind. One of a kind. I made it with my hands. This table is mine. The Bible says that you are a one of a kind. There might be someone else on the planet that looks like you, but they're not you. You are a one of a kind, made by the hands of a living, loving God. You are one of a kind. I thought somebody was behind me. You're one of a kind. And I want you to remember that. The Bible says to remember that how you are made that you are wonderfully made, you are unique. And to remember it, it's something not to forget, but to each day to look in the mirror and and speak to yourself in the mirror saying, I am wonderfully made. The other thing that being content is this, is that we need to realize that we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things that, that you're probably like me that we always like to, like to do is we, we measure our, our abilities on someone else that we see either on, on TV or out on the sports field or in the gym. And, and, and we, 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 we measure ourselves on what they can do and what we can't do or how good they are and how not so good we are. And, and, and I want you to, to remember today that, that, that when we understand that there's some things we're strong in and there's some things that we're weak on, and that's okay because something happens when we understand our weaknesses. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, uh, in insults, and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. And I think what he's trying to say to us is is that when we are feeling weak, it's in those times when, when we really get on our knees and call out to God. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm, I'm really stuffed here if you don't show up. I know maybe people here who have gone through medical things and, and you've prayed their prayer, God, if you don't heal me, I'm coming to see you. When we are weak, when we acknowledge our weaknesses, the Bible says that we become strong because of his strength and his abilities. And, and I've kind of learned that when I start to call out on him and get a bit desperate for him with those things where I'm weak about, it's amazing the strength and the power that he gives. 
power to keep moving forward, power to keep going. But it all starts from realizing that we're not all of that in a bag of chips. We all have weaknesses and we all have strengths. And I think another element is, is in finding contentment is to choose compliments over comparison. Choose compliments over comparison. I think like a default method within inside of us to, to compliment or to encourage because what that actually does is when we, when we take our eyes off ourselves and look for something to compliment or to encourage, something happens inside of us inwardly. It happens inwardly and something changes and, and I know this to be true because we have this little white fluffy dog called Spot. He's 13 years old, and he's, uh, he's three-quarters Bichon free, so he's white and fluffy, and then he's got a bit of fox terrier in him, which rules his brain. And, 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 and when I think about my, my dog's spot after all of these years, if I compare him to other dogs, I start to complain. Because uh, when I say, come, he goes, we're, we're, he leaves all sorts of things through the house, surprises behind uh, in the house, and, and he's not like other dogs, and I want him to be like other dogs. When I compare him to other dogs, and inwardly I start to complain. That dog causes me all sorts of grief. Inwardly I complain. So I've started, to, I've started a little experiment with my dog Spot, is that because he has tablets because he's got skin conditions and ear conditions and all sorts of conditions and it costs me more to fix him than me. But, but when, I, when, I, when I give him a tablet and I poke it down his, I put it in his mouth and down his throat I, I, and he swallows this tablet, I, I've decided to try something different. So I, I grab his head in my hands just softly. I fold his ears back and, so I can see his eyes. And I look at him, and I say, you are just the world's best dog. You are the greatest dog. You are just the amazing dog, and you make my life complete. I don't say that, but, but uh, you are an incredible dog. And, and is it starting to work? It's not about him. It's changing my heart inwardly, because, because complimenting him is, is speaking into his life, but it's, I'm wait, waiting to see that happen out on his life. But in me, it changes me from complaining to complimenting. <laughs> Choose to compliment. If you want to know what it is to be, find contentment in your life and content in your situation. Choose to compliment. It changes you from the inside out. Philippians 2.14 says, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. That's pretty strong, isn't it? In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. I think another element of, 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 comp, uh, of um, contentment is this, is that we rely on God's opinion rather than the opinion of others. We rely on God's opinion rather than the opinions of others. Facebook and Instagram is not a great place to find people's opinions about you. Often it's, it becomes a, an insecurity for us. It's, it's when, we, when our, our value is found in other people and their opinions about us, it, it can start us on a spiral, and, and generally it's a spiral down and not a spiral up. We have to determine whose opinion will you listen to? 
and, and, and I'm not kind of saying you know, in our workplaces and, and things in life to improve and get better in life, we, we have feedback and critique, uh, and that's, you know, some of, most of that is, is really healthy for us. But I'm saying the opinions of people. Like, you will never. I wish you were. Why aren't you like your? Whose opinion will you listen to? Can I encourage you to rely on the opinion of God? Why? Because we know that he is a savior. He's a defender. He's a protector. He is a shelter. And you are made in his image. You are made in his image. This year has been a challenging one for us all, right? And, and, and I know for myself that, that during that first lockdown, it's like I felt like I kind of hit a wall a, a bit there for just, just like with my own self-worth and confidence. I normally uh, felt like I've, over there's pretty confident kind of a guy and, and something happened or just uh, in, in, our, in my life there where I was just starting to battle and struggle with, oh, am I good enough to be here? Looking at other people. God, can you really use me? God, God what, what, why am I feeling like this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And I suddenly realized that, that I was starting to compare myself on other people and, and try to find value in them. Am I better or am I worse? Am, I, you know, am we more effective or can we sing better or can we speak better or can we do things better? And, and as soon as you start to do that, it's like a spiral that leads you down. And, 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 uh, and I've learned some things that I want to share just as we come to a close right now in just our last few minutes. Uh, to help you tomorrow, that, that, that will uh, hopefully strengthen you and give you some tools to live life where you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else or anything else. And someone once said this, once said, well, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated by purpose. That we won't be distracted by comparison, i.e. we won't have to look for our, our value anywhere else if we are captivated by purpose, you are called. You are anointed. God shaped you and created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. He created you. He loved you. He gave you everything you need. He gave you some things to use for his glory, to reach people for him. Be captivated by purpose. I think this, I think we won't be distracted by comparison if we learn to keep our guard up. A, a, a boxer these days, I'm, I'm not a boxer like Pastor Ants was, but, but when a, a boxer is always taught and trained to keep your gloves up, to keep your guard up, to protect this thing here. And, and, and they, they train and they, they teach them to always come back to like the default position of keeping your guard up. The, but after a fight or after a, uh, after a struggle when you're in a match, you know, sometimes a guard will tend to drop. And, and then a couple of things happen is that your opponent will see an opportunity when your guard drops. And, and, and that opportunity creates an op- a, 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 a position for your opponent to strike. Can I encourage you today, spiritually, let's learn to keep our guard up, to build up in strength, to not grow weary and grow tired where your guard starts to drop. Because when your guard starts to drop, the opponent, your enemy, will see an opportunity to strike. Don't give him an opportunity. 
How do we do that? I think there's four things uh, to grow spiritually, to, to grow stronger that we, that we can do. And the first one is Bible study and prayer. Bible study and prayer. Did you know that the Word of God is Jesus in the flesh? It's the nature of God. It's his dealings with people. Come on, I've got to be honest. I'm not a great reader. I force myself, but it's a word of life. It's living and breathing and active, and there's answers and solutions for you and therefore your everyday life, but we have to get it in to us. The second thing that I think, second habit is this, is connection with other believers. Small groups, connect groups. If you're not on one, you are missing out. What happens when you, when you get into a group of small people, you're not called to live in isolation, you're called to live in community. That's how God designed you. This is one thing that will happen if you commit into, uh, into a small group is this, you will discover what it is to live free. Because in a, in a small group, what happens is when you get comfortable, uh, you start to take a mask off of who I really am, what I've really done, and and. and and you start to say things like, can you, can you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. I need your help in this. Small groups are, are vital, I think, for spiritual growth and community. The third habit is to live a spirit-led life. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. It's the dynamite power. If you're feeling lethargic, if you're feeling uh, like you're a V8 car trapped in a mini's body, you need the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. No offense to any mini owners. <laughs> The power of the Holy Spirit is, is not just available on a Sunday morning for you. If you've never, never uh, had someone pray for you to release that anointing or release that power after the service today, there'll be some people here praying. Why don't you be bold? Why don't you be brave? Fourth thing is, I think, giving of yourself. To give of yourself, there's nothing more fulfilling and serving others than with what God has given you. <laughs> nothing more fulfilling, right? All God expects us to do is to use what he's given you, what he's given us. See, habits strengthen us. Spiritual habits will help you to grow stronger and to keep your guard up. The, the second thing is this, do not be distracted by comparison. Uh, we need to speak words of life. Speak words of life. Your tongue, your words, the Bible says is like a small rudder on a gigantic ship. The words that you use today speaking to others or about yourself can steer your life. Uh, my, as Pastor Nancy, my, my dad passed away just last year, and, and we went to Australia about a month afterwards, and I got to meet one of his best friends who'd known my dad for 59 years. Uh, he was in Brisbane. And so this, this man was, he was in 95, uh, and he came from the island of Guernsey, which is up UK somewhere, one of those little islands off there. And his first day of arriving into New Zealand, he met my dad in Christchurch outside of a shoe shop in Christchurch. He didn't have any friends in there, met my dad, and, and he ended up in that first day he was in New Zealand, he invited my dad to come to church. My dad's never been to church. He come from a dysfunctional family where his dad uh, took off and he was a bad, uh, my dad was a bad asthmatic. Back then in the 50s or 60s, there was no medication. He shouldn't have really lived very long. So he invites my dad to church. And that day, my dad asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior, become a Christian. 
those words that he spoke changed my dad's life. He had three incredible boys, especially one. <laughs> changed their life a generation down the track. My brothers and me, we've had children coming out of our ears. However, mainly girls, actually. But my children have followed the Lord as well. Love God and love church. The conversation 59 years ago changed family, family, family. The Bible says that your words you use are powerful enough to be like a a spark to create a wild fire in the forest. Turn it around. Why not spark generations coming to know the Lord through your conversations by speaking life? Because it will change your family, your life, and the generations to come, the generations after that and after that and after that. Your words, let's get a default of speaking life, not speaking harm. Lastly, last thing is this. To not be distracted by comparison. We need to initiate a response. Don't stand by idle. Don't sit in your seat and think it'll pass. We need to initiate a response. What would you say if I told you right now that I've discovered something that only takes 21 seconds and if you do it every day of your life, it will change your life. 21 seconds. Money back guarantee. Here it is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 21 seconds. 21 seconds to change your life. Say it every day. Do it. Don't, don't just say it from a religious tick box exercise to do every day. But if you, you pray it, Pray that prayer every day, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It will change your life from the inside out. You will see generations of change in front of your eyes from your today to your tomorrow and to the weeks ahead. 21 seconds. Can I, I'm not into challenging people, but can I challenge you today to start tomorrow? 21 seconds. Come on, why don't you close your eyes right now? Father, I thank you that, that no one compares to you. Nothing compares to you, O oh God. Lord, I pray here today, Father, that people who have searched to fill that void, to fill that space in their life, to whether from hurt or pain or just lethargy, oh God, Father, I pray today that, that Lord Jesus, today we would put an end, Father God, to, to comparing, to comparison, Father God, to find a contentment in You that's filled with Your power and Your strength in our lives, oh God. So Lord, today, Lord, I pray for these incredible people. Lord, people that are created in Your image, people that are powerful and strong in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray 
Lord, right now, just in their hearts, if things are popping to mind, Father God, where comparison has caused them to shrink back, I go, Lord, I pray like, almost like they could take that thing in their hand and lift it up from you to you, that, Lord, you would take it from them right now, that you would bring healing and restoration, oh God, transformation, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name.